thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today, it's kind of weird, actually, we have a special guest, but this special guest is well known to all of us, and you've heard his voice many times, if you, especially if you listen to the Inside Champions Mind or the 100 Not Out. But I'm going to get Damien Christoph to introduce our very special guest for tonight. Oh, I'm so excited about this because in a former life, our guest today was a workaholic journalist, a radio and television producer with the footy show on Channel 9. And I'm sure everyone in Australia has seen that. That life also included years of smoking, binge drinking, overweight, he was pimply like a pizza face, statistics waiting to happen, like all that sort of stuff. The beginning of a revolution came when he met his now wife, Sarah, she's beautiful, a wellness chiropractor, embarking not just on a magnificent relationship, which is beautiful, but a complete lifestyle and philosophical change. Our guest today began to slowly take away at least, at least, healthy habits and replace, sorry, his least healthy habits and replace them with life-extending, empowering ones, which I love. Today, our guest is a longevity speaker. He's a podcast host with 100 Not Out and Inside the Champion's Mind and is the executive producer of The Wellness Couch. And he joins us today. I'm talking about the one, the only, the most incredible, the most amazing Marcus James Pierce. <laughs> Welcome to the Welcome to the Wellness Guys, Marcus. You know what? That was the absolute best intro I think I've ever received. <laughs> and thanks for giving me my son's middle name. I really appreciate that. It's the best. You like, you like that? <laughs> That's awesome. Great to be with you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's so good to great have you here, here buddy. So, Marcus, obviously, one of the things that uh, you've done, uh, being one of the co-hosts and executive producer of uh, The Wellness Couch, that you've learned a lot from the 100 Not Out, and you've done amazing interviews with Damien. Let's um, let's go right back to the beginning. What is your interest with longevity? Why longevity? Good question, LT, because as you know, Damo has recently turned 40, and I am the young age of 32, and um, it all started... Oh, it's right for him. Oh, that's right. Okay, I get it now. I get it. There's a story to that too. There's a story to that too. But um, I think about five years ago, um, I was uh, reading a book, and as you guys would know, and, and, and listeners of 100 Not Out and Inside the Champions Mind, I am an interrogator at heart. Having a journalistic mind, I um, I love to, to know stuff. And I was reading a great book by John Robbins, who, um, again, most of our listeners have probably heard of John Robbins. He was the heir to the throne of the Baskin-Robbins ice cream chain and went out on a limb and ostracized himself from the family. And in a great book he wrote, he wrote called uh, Healthy at 100, he, he wrote about a study that Yale did where they interviewed – 500 uh, middle-aged people and, and asked them if they agreed with such statements as, as you age, you become less useful and as you age, um, you are less valuable. And what astounded me was that the people that agreed with these statements, the people that thought that as they age, they become less useful, had a uh, life expectancy of seven and a half years less than the people that had a positive and empowering uh, perception of their age. They didn't measure cholesterol, they didn't measure blood pressure, they didn't, they didn't measure exercise, lifestyle factors, relationships. They only measured a belief of aging. And I thought to myself, you know, again, with my media background and then at this stage we, we were um, running our chiropractic center, I thought I speak to people every day that hate their age. They hate their age. They cannot stand being, whether it's, 
50, 60, 40, even 30. Like I know 30-year-olds that get told they're over the hill or it's all downhill from here. Um, And I was thinking to myself, people hate their age. Like as a culture, not many people out there really love their age. And that really was the very beginning of this obsession I have with uh, teaching people that you've got to love your age. You have to love um, your life. You have to love... um, your chronological age it's just a number but you wherever you're at you have to love it and that really um you know for a few years developed that and and started getting out into the community and doing speaking and then through my contacts with Damo I just spoke to Damo one day and said let's do a podcast on longevity and uh and that really was um you know that was almost a year ago I don't know if Damo knows this but we're coming up to one year I know. so one year of 100 not out and um, you know almost 52 interviews and, and podcasts uh, with so many living legends and, and experts it's been a it's been a wonderful ride but again so much still to learn and and so many more people to teach this stuff to we're only one so, percent there oh that <laughs> So, Marcus, why do you think it is that people hate their age? Like, why do you think aging is such a, I guess, a taboo topic in our modern society? A great question, Bretto. I think uh, the mass media has a hell of a lot to do with it. I think uh, if we're watching the 6 o'clock news and the 6.30 current affairs each night, we're reading our daily papers and consuming our daily internet. There are not many positive uh, perceptions or images of aging out there. To age well is really an exception these days. To to age poorly is the norm, and we all know what the herd mentality is like. So what we see on the mass media, I mean, I always say this in my talks, you don't see on the 6 o'clock news, 5 million Victorians got home safely tonight at 5 o'clock and enjoyed a special dinner with their family at 5.30 before tucking the kids into bed at 6.30. That's not news. To age well, these days is news. Damo, you might remember when we interviewed uh, Charles Eugster at 93, he said the worst thing about being healthy and well at 93 is that you become newsworthy, whereas it really should be the norm. It should be the norm. It used to be the norm. Uh, You know, 60, 70, 80 years ago, it was normal to age well. But these days, to age well is, is um, is not it's certainly not common. We would like to say it's normal. It's certainly not common. But a lot of the reason is that there's a stereotype that is pushed out there and then we as consumers, we readily absorb that. Often we just don't question enough what we're reading in our papers and watching on our TVs and listening to on our radios. It's simple as that, really. That's uh, it, well, That sounded complicated, but I'm sure it's simple, Marcus, and I definitely got the gist of it. But, you know, we do definitely find um, that when, when we're talking to the, the people that, that we're interviewing who are ageing beautifully and ageing very, very well, that they have very little, if no, hang-up about their age at all. So it is a very valid point that you make that, you know, your consciousness and your thought process around and your, and your feelings and emotions around the number of candles on your birthday cake, um, you know, really does affect your wellness and your longevity. But there's been quite a few surprises for us, hasn't there, Marcus? And, and uh, you know, we, we've noticed that diet really doesn't have much to play with yes. uh, with, with people ageing. Well, well let's, let's, let's go into this a bit, Damo, because... Why don't I flip it back to you and say when we first started this podcast, yes. you had um, you were thirty nine, and why don't you just tell All the story? Of, you were a little bit edgy <laughs> about turning forty. Remember when you were in your thirties, right? Damo? Oh, that's, 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 well, I can't. I, I feel like I've got a bit of Alzheimer's. You know, yeah, Damo, <laughs> Damo. Hold on. You've got to tell this story, Damo, because you, you told me a number of times that you were a little bit edgy about turning 40. But since we've done uh, 40-odd recordings of 100 Not Out, you, you feel much mm-hmm. more confident about just the rest of your life. 
Well, um, I see. And I think I'm making that's the because best of, I'm making the rest of my life the best of my life is what I'm doing. Thanks for that little bit of corny one-liner that we use on the podcast. But yes, it's true. <laughs> it's because we've learned. It's because we've learned so much off our guests. Um, yeah. And okay, let's go into a few of these. Okay, okay Damo yeah. and I discussed three things that that. We have learnt. Uh, you can read about this in books and you can, you know, have conversations. But when you have as many conversations as, as we've had on 100 Not Out, you really begin to see the patterns. We know that if you have a purpose in life, if you know why you get up in the morning, if you know what your life is dedicated to, whether it's your family, whether it's your work, whether it's both, whether it's, you know, it could be anything. It really doesn't matter. It's just something that really pushes your buttons and makes you feel joy. You, you are a long way there to having a good quantity of life. What I'm talking yeah. about here is three keys to quantity of life. The second one is exercise. And yes. what Domo and I have found is that exercise is actually far more um, important to achieving quantity of life than yeah. nutrition is. We have so, and it doesn't have to be triathlons and marathons we haven't um you know well, got much running. evidence it, does, it doesn't have to be much like <laughs> it, it could just be a walk couldn't it, it could be well, tennis it could be bowls that's it it just has to be something that you love so yeah. you don't run because you think you should run you run because you love running you don't walk because you think you should you do it because you love it and this is yeah. what all of the cultures of longevity are showing is that the exercise is what we would call incidental exercise. They don't do it because they have to or they think they should. They just yep. do it because it's a part of their lifestyle. And Marcus, so, can I just jump in there? How much, of you, how much of that do you think is because of the physiological benefit of the exercise and how much of that do you think is because of the mental benefit? Well, I think it's, I think it's massive. Like Obviously, it's addictive. Right? So, yeah. so, for example, um, okay, let's talk about the Greek example. So, the, so um, as p- many people probably know, Damo and I are holding a retreat on the Greek island of Ikaria at the end of June this year. And it's a very mountainous Greek island. It's not flat. It's, um, they were invaded in the wars, and so there's not much um, residency on the coast of the island. They all live inland in the hills. And in the hills, um, it's the only really form of uh, – it's, it's, it's where they get around. So they walk in the hills, um, and if, Brett, you and I were living in Ikaria, we would walk to each other's house, and it would be a one-and-a-half K trip there, one-and-a-half K trip back. And as a part of our, you know, social norms or cultural norms, we would do that twice a day on this Greek island. So that's a 6K walk but hill walk every day. And that's addictive because, one, I want to catch up with my friends and, two, the exercise puts me in a good uh, frame of mind. So naturally enough, it's something that just becomes a way of life. But that's really what culture and tradition is, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the best cultural uh, traditions are the ones that are something that you want to do. So... I do think, Bretto, that's that's got to be a big um, key factor in it. And and just like, you know, um, what we do in the West, I mean, doing our uh, CrossFits or our barefoot running or uh, going to the gym or going to a yoga class, the reason why we go back is because of exactly what you said, Bretto. It makes us feel good um, and feel good physically and makes us feel good mentally. So it's the same thing. It's more just that a lot of people feel that they exercise because they think they should not because it's something that they love to do. You guys, it's different, okay? A lot of our listeners it's, is different, but only 25% of Australians exercise regularly. Now, I know that the other 75% think they should exercise. Everyone knows that they should exercise, but not many people put enough time into working out what they love to do from an exercise perspective. So it seems like you actually have to have a champion's mind first, and that should really give well, you longevity. Let- that's a good. That's a good joke, LT. <laughs> the cross motions are flying. <laughs> but this LT, just to get go a little bit deep here, we were all born with champion minds. 
Mm. Our well, parents that, that, might not have champion minds, okay, because they may have been subjected to a culture and they weren't feeling great, right? But we're all born with champion minds, okay? It's just our job to rediscover that. And again, sad but true, a lot of people don't rediscover it. But if we want to live a long life, it's important to rediscover it. Let me give an example here. Um, Alice Hurt Sommer, she's 110. Google this woman, a f- phenomenal individual, 110, the oldest living survivor of the Holocaust, lost her husband to the Holocaust, um, lost her mother to the Holocaust, and still to this day, still to this day says, I have no space nor time for pessimism and hate. Doesn't hate the Nazis, doesn't hate the Holocaust. She's 110. She swam every day up until the age of 97. She practices a piano every day for three hours because she loves it. She has a purpose in life. She moves regularly. She has visitors every day, and she has a champion mindset. Well, the, the question I have for you, right, is that when they have the mindset, is it from the people that you've interviewed, is it that they've learned it from their parents, or is it something that they actually had to create on their own? Uh, I think it's definitely something that they found they had to create on their own. Sometimes it's a health challenge that happens and they think, I have to change things. Mm. I have to change my life. I have to change my mindset. Um, but Damo and I did a podcast on this on resilience and optimism. And people that are living long, they do have a sense of optimism. But what Damo and I were saying, and this is what, it was a real aha for me, is that optimism is often born. Uh, well, am I getting this the wrong way around? Optimism is often born out of resilience so the more challenges that you have in your life like let's use alice hurt sommer as an example lost key family members went through the holocaust lived through wars the more resilience you have in your life the more optimistic you become about life because you realize that you can actually survive massive challenges and so the people that are living long have got a mindset where they're actually quite optimistic about their lives no matter what their state of health is per se they're just optimistic about living it's true. Now, I know we covered two of those points. Like we covered off the exercise and we covered off the purpose, but the other one was engagement, MP. Massive. So Engagement. So, you know, you could, you could be purposeful and you could have your exercise all sorted out. But the other big one was the engagement in the community. So you, you kept busy. You involved yourself in the community and you did stuff. And so the, the things that we found about the people who live on Ikaria – or Ikaria, if you're Marcus, uh, is, uh, is that you've got um, mum and dad, um, Grandpa Joe, and, or you know John, and uh, Grandma Mary, and great-grandma and great-grandpa still looking after the great-grandkids and the kids and, and everybody. So that everybody is still all involved. So you might still have the great-grandparents still cooking or the great-grandparents still picking kids up from school. Um, and so that, that was a very, very important thing as well, wasn't it, mate? Well, this is what is, I said to Sarah the other day, uh, my beautiful wife, I said, when our parents get older, I really think we must look at keeping them under the same roof as us. I don't want them in a nursing home. Um, In our culture, it's almost expected that when your parents reach a certain age or a certain level of health, that they go into a nursing home. But I question how good that is, not just for their health, but how good that is for the health of their of the younger generation. So you know, you as their as their kids and and their grandkids uh, again, and I, and I base this just not on research, but on the well, you know, not on scientific research, but on the anecdotal and lifestyle research of the people that have the longest lives in the world, the cultures that they live in. They treasure the older generations and they do whatever they can to keep them in the same house, in yeah. the same mm. community. Um, 
And, you know, most people, if, if there's baby boomers listening today, you know, they're probably going through challenges with their parents and it's normally this fight for independence. But I encourage, when I do talks for older people, I, I say, hold on to your independence. If you've got carers or if you've got kids telling you to stop being so independent, tell them where to go because you've got to hold on to your independence. You must maintain your independence. And staying within the family home or the family unit, that allows you to do that. But once you're in a home, you lose a lot of that independence and that, and that really is where it, then you lose a lot of that purpose in life, which is that very first essential key to quantity that we spoke about. And so, Marcus, you spoke there about it being, I guess, normal to go into a home or to be, to be looked after later on in life. And I think you know, there is a real misconception in our society and I think it comes down to, I often talk about the difference between what's common and what's normal. And I think with aging, that's particularly true, that there's a real difference between what's commonly happening, how people are commonly aging in our society and what's actually normal aging. I know you like to speak a bit about you know, dementia and the fact that well, we just consider that to be a normal part of aging. Do you want to talk about that a bit for us, mate? Yeah, thank you so much, Britt, because this is something that you know, people have their mouths wide open when you tell them that dementia is not a normal part of aging. But again, even, even you know, Alzheimer's Australia and all of, the, all of the big societies are on a massive public education campaign to remind people, and this is why I say the mass media can often be you know, public enemy number one here because this is where a lot of the beliefs or the you know, very subconscious beliefs start we have to start teaching people, reminding people that dementia is not a normal part of aging. Arthritis is not a normal part of aging. Um, we have to remind people that this is common, but it's not normal. The challenge we have in Australia at the moment is that it's everywhere. We've got a quarter of a million Australians have dementia in, in 2050, so that's not that far away. This is when, when um, everyone on this call, the four of us, will be in the, I suppose, the risk factors. There's going to be one million Aussies with dementia in the year 2050. Now, everyone listening today wants to know exactly, you must know what to do to avoid being there. And the first thing to do is to recognise that it's not normal. So don't socially accept dementia to be normal. We must remember that there's two massive keys to preventing dementia. There is so much research into what it takes to prevent dementia, but no one wants to believe it. Even the Herald Sun, the trusty Herald Sun in Victoria here, put in a wonderful article last year saying that dementia is actually, and again, don't want to make this so black and white, but dementia is actually quite easy to prevent. What, what these researchers found, they looked at 600 Victorians, which is why it got into the Herald Sun, and they found that the people that exercised the most had the least build-up of what's called beta amyloid in the brain. The people that exercise the most, okay, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's actually quite obvious. What they also found was that this is <laughs> this is the actual, then the longest studies are finding, if you are obese, okay, so a 21-year study found that if you are obese in middle age, you're twice as likely to develop dementia. A 27-year study found that if you were obese, you're 75% longer, 75% more likely to develop dementia. But then if you've got high cholesterol, um, and high blood pressure in middle age, you're six times more likely to get dementia. So if you're 40 and then 30 years later you're suffering cognitive decline and five or ten years later you've got dementia, just remember, this is alarming. One in two people, 85 plus, have dementia. One in two. That's not normal. That's common. Okay, It's very, very common. But all of the warning signs are there in middle age. All of the warning signs. What we also know is that dementia 
takes 20 years to develop. This beta amyloid in the brain, it takes 20 years for it to be recognizable on a diagnostic uh, film for them to go, yes, we can say you've got dementia. It's like having a weed 20 years below the surface. No one does their weeds that are 20 years from coming above the ground. But if you go out and exercise, not thinking that this is just good because it makes you feel good or it makes you, you know, it's good because your friends are doing it. But if you go out and exercise because you know that it's preventing the dement, then that is a more empowering and a more, what I would think, is a more um, uh, alluring way to actually do it on a regular basis because we are pain-based at our core. We do whatever we can to avoid pain. And if you ask most people what they uh, want to, what's the, what disease they want to die of least, most people will say dementia. So that should rock people to the core. Marcus, when you've been um, listening to and interviewing these, um, the peop- uh, you know, obviously these healthy people, what are the, some of the things that do you, did, you, did you find that they've actually started at a young age, what you're talking about? Or did they, ah. some of them actually kind of took a little while to, you know, maybe in the 40s and 50s decide to go, you know what, I'm not healthy, I'm going to switch over. W- yes. what, was, what was the kind of the breakdown? Okay, Damo, um, I'm just, I think of a very particular individual here. Damo, do you remember Ruth Frith? Yeah, who, wasn't she awesome? She she's still going strong. I think she's one hundred and three. Yeah, sharp as they come. And she, um, her daughter, uh, Helen, is in the Dawn Fraser era. Actually, competed at the Olympics with Dawn Fraser. And yeah. Ruth was the bag lady for the Masters, the local Masters Athletics Club. She actually sat down all day by the track, looking after the bags of all the other competitors in the athletics club. And then one day in her mid-70s, she said, enough of this sitting down watching the bags. I'm going to start competing. She's now a world record holder in a number of different events in the World Masters Athletics. And you know why she's the world record holder? Because she's the only one over 100 in her field. So every time she wins, she wins the gold and probably the silver (laughs) and the bronze. But she took up exercise in her 70s and she bench presses three times a week she's got her own home gym she um um yeah she does she exercises five times a week but i might put this in here because this is something that you know damo and i talk about a lot is she has the diet that damo and most health professionals wouldn't actually recommend you know it's a it's a diet we would say probably you know high in gluten she doesn't have many vegetables and um but we also know that she had a pacemaker installed uh, about four or five years ago um and then damo you might also remember um dexter kruger i do who, i was going to bring up dexter just then he just yeah. turned 104 the other day yeah and so dexter has a coffee at midnight um Tell and he has sleep. he has hot chocolates two hot chocolates a day yeah so he has morning tea <laughs> Morning tea and afternoon tea is a hot chocolate with, um, you know, cake or biscuits. And then he has – probably has a meat and three veg kind of breakfast, lunch, well, and dinner. It was, it was meat and three veg. No, it was meat and three veg for lunch and meat and three veg for dinner. But breakfast was usually um, – was it wheat bix or toast? I think yeah, it was, it was like toast, toast, wasn't it? Yeah. And juice and coffee yeah. and the rest. But, you know, it was a diet that you would shudder at if you're in the health profession. So Damo at the end of the call is like, that diet was amazing. You know, how did he yeah. – how's he still alive? Shocked and dismayed. But what we've realized in, in all of the – the people that we've spoken to is all of their diets vary like their diets vary so much and what we can say is that diet can probably and we would almost say definitely add to quality of life when you're older definitely well, okay. i would actually say quality of your life all the way through your life not just when you're older yeah yeah, yeah but all the way through your life you know I, I think that it's important that we understand that you will feel better if you're eating better food all the way through your life 
Now, there's obviously something to do with genes that are going to you know, impact on your longevity. But those three key things that Marcus and I mentioned earlier on, which was exercise, engagement, and purpose, they're going to you know, definitely keep your brain healthy and keep you going you know, for a long, long period of time as well. But if you want to feel awesome, You've got to feel awesome while you're young, so you're going to feel awesome while you're older. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. So, and and again, I sometimes think I was doing a talk the other day, and I was looking at some of the faces in the crowd, and you can just get a feeling that they they think oh, I'm just too old for this. Like I've just if I heard this message 20 years ago, you know, oh, I would have done it. But at the same time, I see people like Ruth Frith who they hear the message in their 70s and they go, you know what, I'm turning my life around. I'm actually going to do it. And we talk about this a lot in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s and, you know, we've done wellness summits and you see people coming up to, to you guys in, the, in their 50s and their 60s going, I've turned my life around because of listening to you guys. It's true. You, don't, you can turn your life around at any age. Mm. But, you know, what Damo is saying is, the, and, and Tommy Hafey's a great example of this. He's in his 80s. He exercises every day and people go, I can't do what Tommy Hafey does. And, and no one says do what Tommy Hafey does. But Tommy no. Hafey says it's easy for me to do this because I've been doing it since I'm in my 20s. Yeah. You know, so the, the, whenever you start your habits, start there. Okay, Whenever it is, start there. But just turn it into a habit. Make it a lifestyle choice. Don't make it a fad. Don't make it a diet. Just make it a lifestyle choice. So choose them wisely. Choose the the things that you love to do, but never, ever, ever make your age an excuse for your lack of inactivity. That's a great point, and you know we do see people all the time. My one of my oldest practice members in uh, in practice is uh, ninety four years old and continues to get adjusted, um, so that he can play lawn bowls. And uh, and he's engaged. He's got himself a new girlfriend, and um, you know they go to watch a movie, or they, they sorry, they go to a picture show, and uh, <laughs> and and you know his diet's appalling. He wakes up at eleven o'clock in the morning, and he he comes in, um, gets his adjustment at twelve o'clock after he's just had breakfast, and um, but he look, he feels great. He's got purpose. He's the uh, the president of the bowls club. He feels like he's he's got some kind of value there. And, you know, with his girlfriend, he's still, you know, involved in his, in his grandchildren's life, all those sorts of things. So all the things we've spoken about are all really important. I had another old elderly lady walk past um, my practice and she said, um, you know, I'm, I'm 93, Is there, can you still help me? And I said, oh, I suppose so. Let's have a look. So we just started adjusting her and she feels fantastic, right? So it's, um, it's you know, you're right – I would say, MP, in saying that it's never too late and anybody at any age can start to get their life back on track so they can live to 100 not out. I agree with that. And, and it's happened too many times. Like, again, Damo, I'm sure you find this. I'm sure all you guys find this. But when I'm talking to, you know, especially when I'm talking to older folk in their 60s, 70s or 80s, they can say to me, well, that's easy for you to say, Marcus, but, you know, I'm, I'm so much older. And that's why I use so many examples of people that have turned their lives around you know, when they're older or that are living a great quality of life in their older years that do have that quality because in the Western world, quality of life when you're older is 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 an exception. We can keep people alive for as long as we want thanks to modern medicine, uh, but quality of life, that is rare. But when you go to say, again, using Ikaria as an example, 80%, they have 80% less dementia on the Greek island of Ikaria than the Western world, 50% less heart disease, 20% less cancer. Again, as a journal, I'm like, well, why? You know, like, why? And then we have to share the whys with everyone else in the Western world because we have not heeded the message. We have not listened. We have not implemented um, or we simply do not know. So we have to get that message out there. 
Yeah, and I, I really think it's important to sort of talk about the genetics aspect because you mentioned that before, and and some people might say, "Oh, what's the point of me going to a career? You know, I don't have the genes that they've got, or you know, I don't, I'm not going to be able to live that lifestyle and get those benefits." But you know, what we see as well, Marcus, is that time and again, these people who live in these societies where they have immense longevity, you know, they've done studies where they then come to a Western society and their health uh, measures completely change around, their longevity completely changes around. So you know, it's it's not the genes that are having the impact, is it? It's really that lifestyle, and, and I think. That's why you know this retreat you're doing is so important. Well, the perfect thanks, Bruno. The perfect example um, is Okinawa in Japan. They have got uh, so many centenarians. They're living a traditional lifestyle, but the centenarians, their their children and their grandchildren are dying, and they're dying of heart disease. They're dying of diabetes. They're dying of cancer because Okinawa, being a military base of America, has KFCs and McDonald's and fast foods everywhere. And so the younger generations are living the Western lifestyle with exactly the same gene profiles, but they have the diseases of the Western world, not the diseases or they don't have the longevity of their grandparents and their elders. Marcus, um, when are we going? When, when is this happening? And when you, you know what's going to be? I guess the question is, when is it happening? Who's who should come to this event? And um, you know, how long is it? Okay, well, they've you're got on to put Facebook, with, I think. They, they, they've got to put. I was actually with, trying to sign up, so hey, <laughs> you're invited, LT. Yeah, the, the people must know that they are with Damo and myself for seven days now. Um, we can be quite intense, can't we, Damo? But this is a real yes. retreat. It's a, it is, uh, it's a holiday. It's a retreat. It's a workshop. It's an experience. So it's from June 23 to June 30. Um, all details are at 100notout.com. That's 100notout.com. There's early bird specials up until the end of February. Uh, there's some great bonuses there as well. But more than anything, the reason why we're going to Ikaria is because there's books on Ikaria, 60 Minutes have done stories on Ikaria, but there's no greater way to learn these lessons and apply them to our own lives than by actually being with the centenarians, eating with them. Mm. dining with them, exercising with them, walking with them, going to the farm with them, picking grapes with them, making cheese with them, doing the things that they do and living the life, um, socializing with them, doing the things that they do and learning the lessons for ourselves is so much more powerful when we experience it. So uh, for those of you out there, go to the website and if you'd like to come along, we'd love to have you there. We've got between 10 and 30 coming, so minimum 10, maximum 30. That sounds awesome, Marcus. I'm I'm looking at the website now. I might have to sign up and come along. That sounds pretty good. You're invited too, Bretto. (laughs) Well, it's just been an amazing information too as well marcus thanks for sharing your knowledge and what you've learned and uh, if you want to follow marcus he's on you know on the wellness couch at uh, 100 not out with damien christoph and uh, also on inside champions mind as well so guys go with to lawrence the, tam with, yeah with he me. couldn't help himself couldn't help yeah, yeah. <laughs> champion mindset is the one that makes you love longer so hey so go to the wellnesscouch.com <laughs> check us check out all the other websites and uh, podcasts that are there and make sure you go to 100notout.com to check out uh, what uh, marcus and damien has to offer join us on facebook um, like us there while we're there and uh, share this podcast with your friends and families and other strangers you think need that need a wellness update and subscribe to us on itunes and while you're there please leave us a five-star rating and a comment on itunes because that's what we love so so until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.